The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? Exopolitics, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events from somewhere in the desert between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Veritas. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I think it's time to open the books on the question of government investigations of UFOs. Uh, we ought to do it really because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. Be skeptical. Do be as skeptical as you want, but by all, don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of the Veritas Show, where we bring you disclosure, one guest at a time. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, make yourself at home. First, I want to welcome and thank our new and existing Veritas members. You are keeping Veritas alive. Tonight's special guest will share with us his experiences as an abductee. Stan Romanek continues to go through these experiences even as of yesterday. Stan will be with us shortly. Before I tell you about next week's guest, let me share with you one of the most and out of the ordinary experiences this guest and I have ever gone through. As you have heard me say for quite some time, when there is a special topic, it takes me time until I find a very qualified person to discuss it. The topic here was none other than anti-gravity. The solution that can change the paradigm we live in without a doubt. The technology is available and has been available for decades. This brave man accepted my invitation. He's no stranger or whistleblower. He is, in my opinion, a genius, a scientist with a conscience, a brother in truth. Dr. Paul Laviolette and I conducted our interview a few days ago, and it will air on Friday, November the 20th. 
This interview was produced with many challenges. We were disconnected not once, but 19 times on the first try. After ending the first try, I noticed that on the last 23 minutes, Dr. Laviolette's voice had been surgically removed. I have no explanation for this. Thankfully, Dr. Laviolette allowed me to re-record the last portion of the show the next day. Even on the second interview, we were disconnected five more times. Many skeptics may say there was a problem with Dr. Laviolette's telephone or mine. Nothing is wrong with mine, and Dr. Laviolette has stated that he has never gone through this. How do we explain how the system was able to record my voice but not his? How do we explain that the day after our interview, for the first time in his life, one of his credit card numbers was stolen and used throughout more than one state? Is this a form of harassment? Maybe. Thankfully, I was able to patch together a three-hour show for you. To all those inventors out there who live in fear and don't know what to do with your technology, next week's show is for you. I started a poll at the forum asking members to decide if the show should include my reaction to the interruptions or plainly keep it as seamless as possible, as if nothing happened. Well, the vote overwhelmingly stated that you want our reaction. Otherwise, that would be censoring the evidence that shows someone does not want this information out. The more they tried, the more we persevered. For information on future guests, visit our website. I want to thank those of you who attended last week's Veritas chat. I wanted to discuss the future and the upcoming guests, and we came to the following conclusion. Since I want you to really be part of the Veritas movement, I want you to decide, in most part, who I should interview next year. Therefore, if you are listening to this, I'm opening a new thread at the forum called your number one Veritas show guest choice for 2010. There, you can include the name of your number one guest choice, only one, with a concise reason and links to his or her work. Once we have the list, we will take it up for voting, and you will help me decide who should be on Veritas in 2010. This is not my show. It is our show, and you have a chance to be part of it. All you need to do is get involved. And if you need to get in touch with me with feedback or questions, send an email to mail, that's M-E-L, at veritasshow.com. And to become a member, simply go to veritasshow.com and click on subscribe. You will get immediate access to all shows, past, present, and future, the Manticore Forum, and access to the Veritas chat system. And let me remind you that the Give the Gift of Truth certificate links are now active. You can give three, six months, or a one-year membership as a holiday gift. Think of all the knowledge you'd be giving instead of something that may be put away forever. And today, I'm not reading news. Instead, I'm taking this opportunity to thank someone who has been instrumental to Veritas. If you remember The X-Files, you know the show was complemented by its music. Although our introduction is an amalgamation of songs, there is one song that is synonymous with the show. And if you hear it, you immediately say, Ah, 
That's Veritas. You're listening to part of the song in the background and have listened to it many times. On behalf of all the listeners, I want to take this opportunity and thank Dino Resch from Switzerland and his project called Unid. The song, Munum. Dino is a very talented graphic artist who also delves with music and this mysterious yet uplifting and catchy song was a great contribution to Veritas. I thank you, Dino. And now, get ready to spend some time with someone who continues to experience abductions while he is awake. That is why the show is called Awake and Abducted, the Stan Romanek story. If you want to know what Stan has gone through and continues to experience, don't go anywhere. This is Mel Fabregas, and you're listening to The Veritas Show. Stan Romanek is the center of what may be the most documented extraterrestrial contact case of all time. He has appeared on Larry King Live, Fox News, Entertainment Tonight, and has been featured in several documentaries on ABC, NBC, and the Sci-Fi channels, as well as numerous other radio and television programs. He lives with his wife near Denver and continues to experience ongoing strange phenomena. The National Spotlight has followed Stan Romanek's account of alien abductions ever since the release of his home video in 2008 of what he insists is footage of an extraterrestrial being. For more than five years, reputable scientists and scholars have studied the strange formulas and equations Romanek's claims were given to him during his encounters and have come to the same conclusion. The complexity of the equations and diagrams is genuine and may hold clues to the secrets of zero-point energy and even interstellar travel. Hello, Stan, and welcome to the Veritas Show. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Before we get into the odyssey that you went through and, and still are going through, can you describe, Stan, your childhood, the general description of your upbringing, education, and your work experience? I want the audience to get to know Stan Romanek, the man, first. Sure, sure. Well, I grew up in the military. My father was um, in the Air Force. Um, to this day, I'm not quite sure what he did in the Air Force, but he worked um, on missile bases, Minuteman missiles, um, during the Cold War. <clears throat> I grew up traveling a lot, um, went from school to school. Um, unfortunately, I grew up with severe dyslexia, <laughs> which made it pretty tough on me. I ended up having, maybe if I'm lucky, a fourth, fifth grade math level. Um, eventually became an artist, um, did a few things here and there, got into um, uh, corporate management, and events eventually ended up working on computers. I became a computer geek. 
And what you said about your father not knowing what he did, do I sense that you may suspect that maybe indirectly what has happened to you may have to do with what your dad did? Well, you know, as a child, you you know, I had some things happen as a child, and that's pretty typical of uh, the abduction phenomena. You don't yes. really put two and two together until you're older and something big happens like with me. Um, but I remember as a child, my father was stationed in Grand Forks and worked at Grand Forks um, Air Force Base and Minot Air Force Base in North Dakota, and those are big missile bases in the 60s, in the late 60s. And um, there is a family story that, you know, kind of has survived all this time where a missile, ha I mean, a UFO had flown over the missile silos in 68. And um, apparently, um, apparently, there was a, um, they found a door open to one of the missile silos. And um, when they went to check it out, the missile was actually armed. And hmm. after this UFO had flown over the missile, missile base, and they followed this missile to, I mean, this UFO to our small town in Northwood, North Dakota, and watched it um, kind of hover above a big water tower there for quite some time. And this story had been in my family all these many years. And I remember my first um, experience as a child happened in 68, too. I was, like I said, I was five years old at the time. So, and, you know, trying to check in to see what my dad did on the missile bases, you know, he always tells me a different answer, so who knows what it was that he did. I have heard the stories of uh, UFOs standing on top of missile silos and actually disabling them, but what you're saying here is the opposite, that he was actually armed after the, the alleged uh, uh, UFO was there, correct? Yes, they found it when they came, they found the door open. And uh, some MPs came and found the door open, and the missile was actually armed. And it scared the heck out of everybody on the base. They don't understand how it could have happened, because there were no... I mean, it was armed somehow remotely, um, not from the normal channels that they'd go through to arm a missile. But, um, yeah, it created quite a stir. I, you know, and I got all the paperwork for it, too. So it definitely happened. This gives a new name, a new meaning to Richard Dolan's book, UFOs and the National Security State. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I think they just wanted to prove a point that, you know, we could do whatever we want. You can't stop us. Maybe, you know, they wanted to get him to rethink the nuclear arms race. Uh, you know, who knows? Sometimes, and of course, in this show, we call the, our motto is disclosure one guest at a time. So I'm hoping that we're going to get some of that today. But thinking of this, when we think of disclosure, sometimes I think that our governments may not be so straightforward. Because imagine if you had to tell the people, your constituents, that there's an extraterrestrial race that is more advanced than us. And there's nothing we can do about it, right? You know, I think about that a lot. I think about all the things that I have been through. And what's what's different about my case is most of the stuff that happens, especially lately, happens only when there's a lot of people around. So I don't really have to explain myself. And I think the reason is they really want it disclosed. The guys upstairs, whoever they are, 
I think I think they want to finally make contact. And honestly, I believe it's going to happen sooner than later. I mean, let's face it, just about every country has pretty much opened their books. Even the Vatican came out and said, yes, we believe in it. The United States is really the only one that hasn't. You know, I just returned from the uh, C-City event with Dr. Stephen Greer for the weekend, and he, he just, he's just tired of governments that don't want to move. So governments, get out of the way. So he's taking this to a grassroots level to the people, because as you say, the, the guys upstairs want this done. But Stan, unlike many people who claim to have encounters with extraterrestrials or ETs, you've said that until your first experience, you were a hardcore skeptic. What, what really changed your mind? Um, it actually took about three years um, to convince me after my first experience because I was such a skeptic and um, I was so pig-headed. And it was mostly because of fear. The only reason people really are skeptics is because they won't, don't want their bubble of their reality bubble burst, let's say. Um, yes. And I, I was the same way. You know, I had this view of what I thought reality was supposed to be and you know it was impossible to go faster than the speed of light and blah 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 I didn't realize that you know there's much more out there um, but it really it took me about three years to come to terms with what was happening to me and eventually they just kept doing more and more impressive things with more and more witnesses and I you know eventually I couldn't deny what was happening now take us by the hand if you will describe the UFOs you have seen do they look alike or are there are different types of craft and raises you i've seen everything from giant 30 foot in diameter big red blinking orbs to um you know v-shaped craft to and not just me um we had three discs i did a i, I talked professionally all over the country and i did a four-hour presentation in denver um and one of the guests was a producer for abc uh, Good Morning America, and um, I usually give a 15-minute break after two hours so people don't get antsy or have to go to the bathroom. And, you know, it right. was a nice day outside, and people went outside to smoke or whatever, and there were three huge dish-shaped UFOs above everybody, and, you know, producer from ABC got to see it. Everybody saw it? Yeah, and that's how, again, that's how my case is. Uh, most of the UFOs I've seen, from the spear-shaped UFOs to the disc to everything other people have seen also and captured on video. I always say this, I've never seen one, but if I ever do, I want to be surrounded by people like you so we can have witnesses. <laughs> exactly, and see, that's how I was. Honestly, if it wasn't for the witnesses, I would have never come forward. I would have never even talked about this. Because, you know, nobody wants to be labeled as crazy or nuts. or and right. Unfortunately, that's how society is. Things are changing. You know, people are a little bit uh, more open to talk about things because it's safer now. But, you know, when it first started with me, it's, it's man, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> well, 80% of the population, uh, according to some recent polls, say that 80% of the population believes in extraterrestrial life. And a high percentage of those also believes that our government is hiding it from us. Absolutely. And, you know, the government can't use that excuse anymore that, oh, we're protecting society. That's baloney. The only thing they're protecting is themselves, really. That's and, and their control. And their control. Yeah, it's all about, it really is all about control. You know, they're, they're probably making money off the stuff they've back-engineered. They want, don't want to let people know about it. And they don't want to look stupid. You see, my goal, and the reason I continue to do this, 
I really, from the bottom of my heart, just want to enlighten the human race to the fact that we have neighbors. And I want to help the government save face so they finally open the books. I don't want to sit there and, you know, blame them for all the woes of the world. But, you know, things have to change. We're at a, uh, a you know, crossroads in our society. We can either destroy ourselves or we can become enlightened and hopefully we become enlightened. I recently had Dr. Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut, on the show, and we talked about, he talked about how in less than 100 years, his grandparents came in covered wagons pulled by horses from, from Georgia all the way to the west, all the way to him going to the moon in less than 100 years. And we've had airplanes for 100 years and nothing has changed. Maybe the engines have changed. But you can't tell me that there's not technology out there that may make airplanes totally a thing of the past. Would you agree? Uh, Absolutely. I've seen these things. You know, I don't know if we have the technology. I'm sure we do. Um, But when my first experience, my first major experience started in 2000, you know, the first thing I thought of is it has to be some kind of government experiment. It has to be. But, you know, now I know I know better, you know, the things that I've been through. You mentioned uh, different types of craft, but do you all, did you also see different types of species of aliens? Well, the first abduction experience I had was with, um, not your tip- you know, when people talk about aliens, they talk about the typical gray, you know, the short, yes. smaller, kind of gray-colored big eyes. I have seen those, but they aren't gray. They're actually more a taupe-colored or a real dark um, tan colored with a bluish tint. But the Mm -hmm. first um, creatures I encountered during my first abduction experience were, I call them the possum people because they have very long faces and their mouth and the nose was at the end of this real long face, huge head like you'd imagine a gray would have, huge almond-shaped wraparound eyes, but their eyes were not black. They were... The irises were almost a blue color, baby blue. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, very sparse cancer patient type like hair, very old, white, white, sparse hair. Skinny, skinny features, three fingers on their hand and a thumb um, that sat back on a very, they had very long palms. The palms of their hands were extremely long. And the thumb was very long, almost looked like a finger, except it was. What kind of communication? did you initially start having with them and how did you communicate with them? Well, um, it's not like they talk like you or I. During my first abduction experience, I remember, believe it or not, there was a knock at the door. What year was this, your first experience? What year? This was 2001, September 20. Well, maybe I should tell you the story. Should I tell you the story? Oh, yes, please do. Um, I was actually at work. Um, September 20th, I was managing a store, a retail store. I had just um, locked the doors and let my last customers out. And just then, my customers came running back in, and they were screaming at the top of their lungs, there's something above your store. And I thought somebody had climbed onto the roof, and they were messing around or something. I wasn't sure. I went outside, and sure enough, I looked up, and above my work, about maybe five, 600 feet, maybe, maybe more, was a huge sphere, blinking red sphere, just hovering there. Now, um, part of this, I had seen a few other things, um, and I was a little freaked out because to me, it seemed like I was starting to be stalked. I couldn't understand why. Well, eventually this UFO just 
disappeared. Um, they, my customers left. I locked up the store and I started driving home. Oddly enough, I look off in the distance and this blinking orb started coming back toward me. Um, following you. Yeah, it looked like it was following me. And it scared the heck out of me. I quickly raced home. And um, my sister and my, my best friend were waiting for me. We were going to go have dinner. Ran upstairs. I lived in a second-story apartment. Ran upstairs, got a camcorder, got you know my sister and my friend to come out. And we watched this UFO off in the distance. And it finally kind of disappeared behind some clouds. Well, we never really made it out to dinner. We were talking about what I had just videotaped. And eventually, my friend went home about 11 o'clock, and I went to bed. 2 o'clock, 2, 2.30 um, in the morning, this would have been on the 21st now, um, there was a loud knock at the door, and they must have been knocking for quite some time. Um, I thought, as I got up to answer the door, I thought my friend might have run out of gas, and he had to walk all the way back. Maybe there was a neighbor that was drunk, couldn't get into their house. I really <laughs> didn't know. Um, but by the time I got to the door, my sister had already opened the door. And she was standing there, I remember looking at her, and she had this just dumbfounded look on her face, almost like she was still asleep, staring at the ceiling. And there were three people standing outside the door. Now, typically, you don't hear of um, abduction experiences happening with a knock at the door. Um, right, I was just going to say. And... Um, you know, in the even more bizarre, I thought, you know, they were young teenagers because they were smaller, and there was a female because, you know, she had a female figure, and there was a male on either side of this female. Well, when I got close, fairly close, I, you know, it looked to me like they were wearing some kind of masks or costumes or something. The first thing I thought of is, oh, my God, they're going to rob us. Why else would they be wearing masks? Well, I'm yelling at my sister, don't let them in, they're going to rob us. And the female pushed my sister aside, like my sister was literally turned off. And she grabbed my wrist. And I remember a thought popped into my head, and you asked me how they communicate. Well, I can tell you, the thought was not my own thought. And it was, everything's going to be okay, you're going to be okay. Well, I wasn't going to be okay, because I didn't put that thought into my head. But for whatever reason... She started leading me, or dragging, I'd say leading, not dragging me, out to the balcony. Again, we lived in a second-story apartment. Leading you as she, she, she grabbed your hand? She grabbed my wrist, yes. That's when I noticed okay. she had three fingers. And by this time, I realized that it wasn't a costume, it wasn't a mask, and I was absolutely panicking. And that's, you know, when I heard, it's going to be okay, you're going to be okay, in my head. Right. And unless it... Unless it's happened to you, it's really hard to explain without sounding completely crazy. Sure. But she started leading me, and for whatever reason, I just went with her. Um, and there was a male on either side of me kind of helping me toward uh, the balcony. And I snapped. Once we got to the door, the sliding glass door, I somehow snapped out of whatever trance I was in. And I grabbed one of the males, and I was going to throw him off the balcony, and I felt a light tap on the back of my head, and I woke up somewhere else. And as far as communicating, you know, we talk linearly. We talk word after word. And it's kind of monotonous and kind of slow. Literally, what I experienced, they can communicate large volumes of information in just one thought. Right. I mean, really, if they wanted to take us out, if they wanted to overrun the human race. They've been here for thousands of years. They would have already done it. 
What you said is something that Jim Sparks said almost to the exact way, that they could just look at you and transmit a whole book in a matter of a second. And what happened afterwards? Well, um, I woke up in, you know, and I can't tell you if it's somebody's basement or if it's a cave or if I was on a spaceship, but it was a room that I'd never seen before. It was, Describe it. It had, well, it had no corners. It had no sharp edges. Everything was rounded. Um, there was no freestanding furniture in this room. Now, it's interesting when you, when you, I've been on a few TV shows and they always say the same thing. They always try to say, oh, you have sleep paralysis. What they don't, what they don't tell you is, you know, there's not a lot of people that have sleep paralysis and there's a lot of abduction experiences that happen to people while they're, for instance, Betty Barney Hill driving upstate New York, Mike, yes. uh, you know, knocking at the door. There's a lot of people that are awake when they have this. It has nothing to do with sleep paralysis. I remembered everything, even including the smell. And I remembered that there was no freestanding furniture in this room. Everything looked like it was molded out of the room itself. And the lighting was really weird. I remember the light, you know those new cars with that bluish, those bluish headlights? Yes. Everything, it looked like the light was being admitted from the walls or from everywhere. It didn't look like there was a light source. It was just everywhere. Again, you hear this a lot from people. Did you, did you discern where the light was coming from? I, I looked, you know, as scared and terrified as I was, I tried to look, and it looked like it was coming right out of the, right out of the walls, out of, out of everywhere. I mean, it literally, there was no real light source, like you'd have a lamp or something like that. It looked like it was just coming out of everywhere. And I remember I was, um, when I came to, I was stuck to a wall, not glued, but um, how do I describe this? You know those... Um, those, if you go to an amusement park and you go on those, I, I guess they call it tilt the world, those centrifugal yes. rides. You're you stuck know. to the wall, almost like a magnet. Exactly. I could move my head, I could move my feet, my arms, my, I mean my hands, my feet, but I couldn't move my arms, my legs, and my body. And it looked, when I looked to the side, um, there was a, there were, looked to me like quarter-sized copper pieces embedded in the wall about a foot or so. And I remember the female stepped forward, and I'm just screaming in my head from fear. I couldn't scream, literally. I was just so scared. I could barely do anything. And I remember when I woke up, it seemed to actually affect. The more afraid I got, I, it, it seemed to affect them. It seemed, my emotions seemed to affect them. And um, she put her hand on the wall, on a lip panel on the wall, and it released me. She brought me forward. And again, that thought, it, it's going to be okay. Calm down. You're okay. We aren't going to Did you calm you. down? Not really. <laughs> 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 I was pretty scared. I was, I, was, I was absolutely petrified. And what's interesting, what I remember, every time I had a thought like, oh, my God, where are you from? Symbols would pop into my head, or oh, how'd you get here? Symbols would pop into my head, and um, eventually, you know, she brought me forward and turned me around. I didn't have any clothes on. And symbols that you could not understand. I, I couldn't understand at all. I mean, little dots with numbers on them and all this weird stuff. Almost like you uh, speaking English to an ant or something like that. Exactly. Well, um, 
uh, one of the males came along with a box, and the box looked like looked like it was lit internally, and he was it was uh, hanging off a shoulder around, you know, uh, off his shoulder on a strap. And at the end of the box was a tube that looked like, at the end of it had a melon baller. I don't know how else to explain it. They turned me around and they started doing something to my lower back, which was absolutely excruciating, the stinging pain. Um, again, I felt the tap on the back of my head, and I woke up on the table in the middle of the room. So I'm assuming they took some kind of skin grafts. While I was sitting on this table, um, the males were gone. The, the males were gone. The female was standing there. She cocked her head, you know, like a dog does when a dog looks at you funny. Yes. She did that and looked me straight in the eyes. And I got to tell you, it's always about the eyes. You can't look these things straight in the eyes. I think that's how they communicate somehow. I'm not sure. But a flood of information literally overtook my brain, and it knocked me off the table. And I was seeing wind so strong that it was scouring the pavement off the earth and all this devastation. And I'm, I'm you know... She stepped back because she realized it was too much for me, and she kind of looked at me as if to say, okay, you stupid idiot, we're going to try, try this one step at a time. Image after image and, you know, thought after thought was filling my head. Wait a second. She, she, were they trying to transmit uh, visions of, of our future? Is that what you think? Well, that's what I thought. And when I kind of snapped out of whatever, you know, shock that I was in, um, I, I'm... I'm kind of in my head, oh my God, when's this going to happen? And she just kind of shook her head no, like almost as if to say, it's not, it's not a for sure thing that this is going to happen, that maybe this will happen if we don't. What I got out of it basically is that if we don't stop what we're doing, this yes. is going to be our, you know, the future that we're going to destroy ourselves because of pollution, because of everything that's happening. And basically the message I got is it's time to grow up. It's time to take responsibility, take better care of, you know, your planet, your home, because it's, you know, it's finite. We, I mean, it's not finite. It's, we, we don't have infinite amounts of, do you understand what I'm trying to say? We don't have infinite, yes, yes. Infinite, infinite amounts of, uh, petroleum and we're polluting the atmosphere and all this other stuff. That's really what I got out of this. But one thing um, they did try to uh, tell me and trying to communicate with these things is really hard, especially when you're terrified and, you know, they don't talk like you and you don't talk like them. And I felt really in insignificant, to be honest, but they tried to tell me that something really important was going to happen. And I kept thinking, well, is, is it going to be this devastating, you know, all this devastation I'm seeing? And they kind of let me know that it it wasn't. But every time I, I would ask them, they wouldn't tell me except they'd, put, they'd flash these dots and numbers. Well, um, eventually I woke up in my bed the next morning hoping and praying you know, I just refused to believe that this happened to me, and I just conned myself into believing it was some kind of nightmare. I got up to make some pancakes, and my sister said, what in the heck happened to your back? Hold on, Stan, before, before you woke up. I want, want to just take you a cup. I, I need you to describe a few things before you woke sure. up. First of all, did you ever talk to Jim Sparks about the alphabet that he learned, which sounds more or less what, what you're describing? Uh, no offense, but I have no idea who Jim Sparks is. 
Oh, Jim Sparks is another well-known abduction case. The only difference is that he has about 80% recollection of everything that he went through, and he was actually taught the alphabet in order to communicate with them. One letter of their alphabet could take hundreds of letters of ours. But anyway, can you still dis- did you see any other visions, and can you describe more colors, temperature, smell sure. of the place where you were? Absolutely. Um, everything was kind of a dark, a dark grayish kind of metallic color, um, except for the copper pieces embedded in the wall. Um, there are various colored lights and flying lights and orbs, that, things that were spinning around that I couldn't identify at all. Um, the lighting was that weird bluish light that I talked about with the new headlights. And the smell especially. Um, I don't know if you know what a Russian olive tree is, but where I live, we have tons of these. They have real thin kind of pale green leaves. And in the spring, they have yellow, these tiny yellow flowers. And they have the, to me, it's a kind of a sickening sweet smell in the springtime. And I couldn't understand that every time I went by one, I'd have a panic attack. Well, it dawned on me that, um, especially during my first abduction experience, the smell that I remember smelling was real similar to what a Russian olive tree smells like. I played around with it a little bit and got some rubbing alcohol and kind of put it in the background, and that's exactly what I remember the smell like, that sickening, sweet, medicinal smell. It means when an alien was standing next to you or the whole smell the whole, of the... The whole inside of the, the craft itself had that bizarre smell. Now, do you remember how you were transported from your balcony to the craft? I, I, I do not. I was, whatever I did, I think they took me out you know, made me unconscious because, you know, I was going to harm one of them. And I can tell you when I picked one of them up, they're lighter than you'd expect, but they're very muscular. I mean, they don't seem to be as tightly packed or densely packed as a human does, but they are extremely muscular. Huh. And temperature. What was the temperature inside? Um, it was humid, I remember, and it was um, seemed to be a little bit warmer than my house, at least. But it was humid. It was just sticky, kind of sticky. It was uncomfortable? Well, aside from being panicky, it was it uncomfortable? Um, uh, you know, I didn't have any clothes on, so I'm, I, was, I appreciated the fact that it wasn't cold. Right, right. Were you alone? Did you see anybody else? Um, in that situation, I was alone. But in the other experiences, I've always been with a human female. Oh? Now, do you want to explain that, or do you want to take us to the first experience on how you return and then take us back here? Yeah, I'll, I'll exp- I'll, I can explain that. Let me um, go back to how the first one ended up, and then I, okay. I can go back to the next experiences. Um you know, I, I went, like I said, I, I woke up and I was going to make some pancakes, and I really just, oh, my God, it was the worst nightmare ever, and I kind of had to shake it off. Um, when I got up, I was wearing shorts, and I wasn't wearing a shirt, and I went to make some pancakes, and my sister was, what the heck happened to your back? And um, I tried to blow it off, and she goes, really, what's wrong with your back? Well, I didn't feel any pain. But I took my hand and I rubbed the bottom of my back and I felt these holes in the bottom of my back. And I felt this, you know, like blood or I don't know what it was coming out of the bottom of my back. 
I could feel it with my hands, but again, I couldn't feel any. I, I would have never known there was anything there at all if it wasn't for my sister. Well, when I did that, I looked down, and all the hair was rubbed off my wrist, and I had these open wounds on my wrist. Hmm. And again, no pain. Um, I really, at this point, just had pretty close to a nervous breakdown. I just lost it. My friend said, look, you know, you need to get some, you need to talk to somebody about this. So uh, why don't you talk to, he knew of a UFO organization called MUFON, Mutual UFO. Yes. And the people at the time that worked for MUFON, uh, honestly, they were very professional. They were great people. Um, and they really helped me quite a bit. And the guy, the researcher that came to investigate said, you know, if you've been abducted, sometimes, you know, these wounds will fluoresce under black light. Yes. Okay, so they had a black light. And, you know, I had scrapes on my knees and stuff, and we fluoresced those, and they didn't do anything. But as soon as they got to those wounds, they literally lit up like a Christmas tree. And those, the, the fluorescing stayed there. And I tried gasoline. I tried Brillo pads. I tried fingernail polish remover. I tried all kinds of different soaps to try to remove it, but it was under my skin. And it stayed it luminesced for, oh, geez, probably a good nine weeks before it finally went away. But what's really weird is those wounds healed in about 38 hours to nothing but barely visible scars. What caused the luminescent uh, aspect of it? They, they don't know. They have no idea. They have no idea. What did you think happened in your back and your wrist? Was it when they were grabbing you? Um, no, I was actually, I remember that I had these metal bands wrapped around my wrists. And mm -hmm. there was a thin wire that went to the wall, and I kept fiddling with it trying to get it off, I remember. And um, what they did, what I remember is they took that little melon baller device, and I think they were getting skin grafts from my back. What do you think happened in, in the sense of, you say, you're saying that it healed in just a couple of days? Yeah, to nothing but barely visible scars. It's documented. Did they change something in your health that allowed you to heal that way? I don't know, but I can tell you they, they've definitely changed something in my health. Um, I've been rather sickly ever since my experiences started. Huh. Doctors, Explain. Doctors, I suffer from a bizarre blood sugar disorder that the doctors can't figure out. Um, I suffer from a problem with creatinine, which is typical of abductees. Um, and there's some other bizarre things. Apparently, have they, they're saying I might have an extra chromosome or two, which is bizarre. Obviously, this has affected your health. It, has it affected your family as well? It has. I mean, l living with this um, for as long as we have, we've kind of gotten used to it. But really, we've. It, it's. I mean, my stepkids have... You know, they still sleep with the lights on. We have stuff happen weekly, literally weekly, to the point where, you know, people get scared off. Um, and to be honest, I'm more afraid of the, uh, the human element than I am of the guys upstairs. I mean, I was shot at. I've been beaten up. I've been, you know, we found listening devices in our house. Our phones have been tapped. This was all documented stuff. We've been followed. Um, the researchers and scientists of which are probably some of the top in the world, you know, we've got some of the top universities in the world in, involved in our case. They've all been threatened and followed and blah, blah, blah. 
Look, uh, this conversation that you and I are having may not be an exception. We've had this happen before. When yeah, we absolutely. we've had a few a, a few people, for example, we as I said, uh, among the people that we have gotten disconnected from, Edgar Mitchell, the astronaut. I was asking him if he recalled or or or, or was he withholding anything he saw or NASA that he was not telling us. All of a sudden, you could hear his his breathing take a faster pattern. And we got disconnected. So I don't doubt that this conversation might be monitored. You're saying that you got shot at. Explain the, the, what has happened to you. Well, you know, we've had to move eight times because of this, just because of the harassment. Um, about a year ago, somebody was, and this happens quite a bit, somebody will, will see an unmarked car and they have these, you know, big cameras and they're taking pictures of me and stuff. Well, I, I'm, I'm either stupid or extremely brave or who knows what probably stupid but i always i'll run after these guys if i see them parked out there <laughs> i'll run after them and they always drive off but um this guy was taking pictures and um he kept coming back and i kept going after him eventually i heard a pop well before oh. i heard the pop i felt i heard this like and i felt a very fast wind go by my ear, almost like it touched something touched the hair on my ear. And I oh, saw he spark. shot you. I saw spark um, on the road off in the distance. Somebody actually took a shot at me. Yes. And um, the police were involved, and I was in protective custody for a little bit. Not to, to inject any humor here, but I, I know somebody, not, it's not an abductee, but somebody who was being surveilled for some information he had, and he saw unmarked uh, cars in front of his house for days. He, he couldn't take it anymore. He went outside and told the two guys, may I take your order? And basically, uh, they left. But um, why do you think the ETs chose you? You know, that's a million-dollar question. You know, it's obvious, and I'm not the only one they chose. You said it yourself. There's lots of, there's other people out there that are going through stuff like this. Um, why am I, you know, why did they give me so much evidence? Why am I able to take the video that I've taken? I don't know. But I honestly believe there's a reason that um, the time is now. And, um, you know, I believe it's going to make a difference. I honestly believe that contact's going to be made soon. And I believe that And if you're listening out there, whoever you are, your time is up soon. So you might as well just quit screwing around and just let it happen and stop so you don't look like idiots. Um, but I honestly believe that there's going to be contacts, in, and I think they're gearing up for it. There's a lot of rumor. Uh, I hate to even put dates out there, but I've said it in the last couple of shows. There's a few people supposedly getting information from the government. I don't believe any dates. I don't want any October 14th, 2008, which is a date you probably remember. I don't know. Blossom Goodchild. I don't know if that name sounds familiar to you. But um, November 27th seems to be a date that's being put out there. And uh, as I said, I spent some time with uh, Dr. Greer and 220 other people, and he passed uh, a document, document that he forwarded to President Obama, apparently there's a G7 leader out there that is ready to disclose if, if, uh, if things are permitted. So it, it seems that this, is, this may be closer than we thought. I'm very skeptic about governments disclosing. I have always been. I think that they have to take this to a grassroots level. That's why they're going to Stan Romanek, to the Jim Sparks of the world, and to some other abductees. Uh, obviously, they're choosing you for a reason. Did you, did you ever 
research to see if this, any of your ancestors, your, your, your parents, your grandparents, if they had any paranormal activity happen to them as well? Well, um, I found out that my sister did, and I found out that my, I'm, I'm the youngest of four kids, and my brother mm -hmm. did. And um, I didn't know this till just a year ago that my brother, brother did, and to be honest, my mouth just dropped. My jaw dropped. I was pretty amazed. Um, his stopped, and I think my sister stopped, but mine continue. And it does seem to be genetic. I mean, nobody knows why, but it right. runs in families. It runs in, it runs almost, you could go to your great-great-great-grandparents, and what I hear is that it follows the DNA. Yeah, so I, I don't know what they're doing. Obviously, they're manipulating the human genome somehow. And, you know, I believe, honestly, I believe we're at a crossroads in our life, and I think we're really close to, um, I think the veil's going to be lifted soon. And honestly... It needs to be. This is the most important thing in the history of mankind. And just a very few people are running the show. I mean, we're, if we get together, all of us get together, they won't have a choice. So, you know, it's time. Now, you just said that this is ongoing with you. When was the last experience? Um, yesterday. Yesterday. Yeah. And it's Do not, you recall? It's not... I've only had, that I remember at least, I've had 10 abduction experiences. But when you're an abductee, they call it high strangeness. Anything and everything you can imagine paranormal-wise seems to happen. Um, you know, if suddenly your house is haunted, you get these strange phone calls, you see flashes of lights and orbs the size of your fists that fly around, and, you know, at night and light up the house. We've, I've got videotapes of things looking in my window you know, which, you know, you talked about earlier. Um, I thought we had a peeping Tom. You know, we catch things um, outside during parties. We'll catch things on camera. You know, one of our friends, we had a big 4th of July party, and somebody saw something looking in our window, and we went outside, and all of us saw this little E.T. standing there, and I got him on picture. I got him, I took a picture of him. And for the skeptics out there, and and one of our mottos here is be skeptical, but but keep an open mind. What kind of, your experiences? You claim they're real and have nothing to discount them because you sound very convincing. You sound very down to earth. But what kind of proof do you have? Um, I have so much now. See, this is how I am because I was a skeptic. I had to prove to myself this was going on. Um, the scientists involved in my case literally are some of the top scientists in the world. Top physicists, top scientists, top researchers, top out and, and analysis. Yes. Video analysis. Um, they put up surveillance cameras. I didn't put them up. They did. The scientists, researchers put them up. They had control over it. The stuff they captured is amazing. Um, a lot of stuff that I get are from witnesses that are with me when it happens. Again... Most of the stuff that seems to happen only happens when there's a lot of people around. I don't have to explain myself. If you're a skeptic, honestly, my goal is to reach every skeptic on the planet. But if you're, there are some people that you could bring a gray up to, and they're going to believe it no matter what. That's their problem. I know what I'm going through is real. 
some skeptics out there are, are so close-minded, so no matter how much evidence you give them, they already made up their mind. They're, they're afraid. They're afreed, and that's what it's about. I mean, they have to reshift shift their paradigm. You know, if the exactly. Vatican can come out and say, look, it's real, then come on, people. I mean, really. I mean, the Vatican... Not only do they say that uh, E.T. is our brother, they're our brothers, they also have one of the largest telescopes in the world here in, in, in the desert. And uh, it makes you wonder what they're looking for, right? Yeah, well, they know something's up. And they know something's going to happen soon. And, you know, like you were talking, you know, the G7 countries, uh, you know, I've, because of my experiences, you know, a lot of our friends are ex, you know, intelligence, blah, 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 you know, heads of state, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, they're all saying the same thing you are, that it's going to be done soon. It has to be done soon, because I don't think they're going to have a choice anymore. I think there's so much pressure from everybody, including the guys upstairs, that, you know, we got to do this. It's time. It's time. Speaking of the government, do you think the government is involved in this phenomenon? I think to a certain extent they are. I think there's a lot of disinformation out there. I think, you know, there's some top secret stuff they're trying to hide and maybe they're saying might be UFOs. And again, maybe they're just trying to say everybody's crazy so they can hide the truth about UFOs. Absolutely believe the government's involved. I've, you know... There, whenever there's an experience, I seem to get visits or I seem to get another, you know, some more evidence that our phones are tapped. Whenever there's an experience, they're right on top of it. Very interesting. Have you ever spoken to Joe Montaldo? Joe Montaldo, he, uh, he heads a, an organization regarding abductees. And he and I talked, and he believes that the government is doing a lot of these abductions, you, you know, MILAPs, military abductions. And uh, he believes that the Betty and Barney Hill, after their, their real abduction, they were re-abducted by the government. Here's what happens. Our government, they cannot, you cannot go to them and tell them, hey, I've been abducted, because supposedly there's, there's secrecy and no disclosure. So if they come to you and they do it covertly to find out what happened, that way, they can analyze you to see what was done to you. Do you believe that you have been abducted by military? Absolutely. I can tell you, you know, like I said, I've been at, at least nine to ten times. There are two of those times that just did not fit. There are two of those times that it was all about fear. And, it was all, and I was sick for weeks afterwards. And it just, it just didn't make sense. And to me, it's like, okay, something weird's going on. So, and those are the ones that I really don't remember very well. Those are the ones that it's almost like I was drugged. Chemically induced uh, abduction and, and so that you don't remember. Exactly. Is that really the case? I can't tell you. Is it the government? What the heck's the government? Nobody knows anymore. I mean, obviously, you know, people like Obama, presidents are just figureheads anymore. Who's really running the the countries. I mean, is the United States really the United States anymore? We could get into a whole other topic. We call it they. Yeah. We call it they because, as you said, we use the word government very generally because, take Obama, for example, he's 27 degrees below the highest clearance. So obviously he's not privy to this information. He doesn't have a need to know. So we can't expect the, him to come on this close when he doesn't have access to this information. Now, 
your new book, uh, Message Messages, do you think the ETs have an important message for us? Can you tell us more about it? To grow up, it's time to take responsibility. That everything, everything is connected. Everything. The good, the bad, you know, it's all connected. We need to re-strategize what we're doing. We need to grow up. Because if we don't, we're going to destroy ourselves. And we do have neighbors, and what we do affects them. Now, it's very important for some people who are listening, who say, oh, Stan or Jim Sparks or, or the late Barney at Betty Hill, they were just dreaming. How do you separate real abductions from dreams? Now, when did you realize they were not dreams? Well, yeah, uh, and they'll tell you. And now, you know, it's interesting. They always use the same, the same scientists, too, the same... If you have a real scientist against these guys, they 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 collapse. But um, they always tell you it's sleep process. My abduction happened when I wasn't asleep. Yes. And I have so much trace evidence. I have so much video evidence. I have so many witnesses, maybe into the thousands now, including people like uh, big producers for Good Morning America and CBS and, you know, Even NASA, I mean, I was on uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight special, and one of the guys involved with my case had NASA analyze the video of the, one of the UFOs, a blinking UFO, and they, they had no idea what it was. Well, of course, you have to be very careful with the people you talk to, because NASA, you might know that it's just a front for the Department of Defense to give yeah. us an illusion that Yeah, but this guy came forward and said, we don't know what this is, so that's something. Okay. And I understand that. But, but honestly, the message, this message is for everybody. It's for the good guys and for the bad guys because we are all connected. As you know, bizarre as that might sound, that everybody is going to have to make a choice. Either do the right thing or we all perish. I wanted to have somebody that dedicates life to, to regression because sometimes, look, there's people like you, there's probably thousands of people like you who walk their lives with their heads down, embarrassed, feeling fear for ridicule and don't want to talk. So I, 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 my hat's off to people like you who, who are brave enough to move forward and talk about it and, and confront this the way it should be. But I wanted to give something back to them. And I had a show a few months ago with Yvonne Smith. Uh, she's a regression hypnotherapist that specializes in abductions. Have you ever been regressed? Absolutely. In fact, um, if, you, if you've read my book, Messages at All, there's some equations in there. Um, after my abduction experience, I, you know, I, I was just having a hard time, and I had all these symbols in my head. Remember I told you about the symbols they were putting in my head? Well, MUFON eventually got me to see a hypnotherapist. You know, I tried seeing a psychologist, and, I mean, how do you explain this to somebody without them sticking you in a, you know, a nut house? Um, yes. The hypnotherapist put me, you know, I agreed to do a regression, And I remembered, literally, I started remember every, remembering everything, and I kept telling her I have these symbols in my head. Well, she gave me a piece of paper and, you know, uh, a pa uh, piece of paper and a pen, and she had me write these symbols down. And we videotaped the whole thing. In a matter of less than, ooh, 30 seconds, I wrote a really long page of these complex um, mathematical equations. 
One of them ended up being the electron structure for element 115, which at the time didn't exist. They didn't even have a, uh, you know, the equation for it yet. Somehow these things, whatever they were, put this in my head two years prior to, I think it was an, a, Ru a Russian physicist or a Russian scientist, um, eventually two years later, invented it. And I've got the paper clipping for it. As a host of this show, I get to talk to people and I connect the dots and there's so many similarities between what, what you all go through. You know, I'm surprised that you, you, you haven't met Jim Sparks or Jim Hef hasn't met you. Well, there's a reason for it. When, you know, the oh. scientists that are involved in my case, I promised them that I wouldn't research it and I wouldn't talk to other people involved because that means Makes that sense. I'm a clean slate and they can... Yes, contaminating the evidence, so to speak. Yep, exactly. Right. Folks, we have so much more to come. We have to take our quick intermission. Stan, your book, Messages, the world's most documented extraterrestrial contact story. Let me give you a brief preview of what's coming on segment two of this show. As Stan said, he has a fourth grade level of mathematics because he's dyslexic. So there's no way he could, could have come up with this. Let me give you an example of some of the things that he discovered during regression and hypnotherapy. Complex equations concerning advanced methods of propulsion, including potential clues to zero point or free energy propulsion. A map of planetary alignment corresponding with September 21st, 2012. The chemical structure, as he said, for element 115, unum pentium. Medical verification and photographs of numerous mysterious wounds and scars that fluoresce under ultraviolet light and have perplexed medical doctors. Some of these things happen to Stan, and we have to listen to the rest. Stan, once again, how do people get in touch with your work? Um, you can go to pretty much any bookstore in the world. Um, you can go online. If you want a signed copy, you can go to my website, www.stanromanek.com. There's a lot of information on the website you can order books from there you can go to borders or you know you can go to just anywhere and get a book it's a great story and stan please stay with us folks we'll be right back we're here with stan romanek this is mel fabregas and you're listening to the very test show don't go anywhere thank you very much for listening we're going to talk more with our special guest in our members section head on over to our website veritasshow.com Click on subscribe and join us in the members area to tune in to the second part of this great show. We'll take a short break, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with more.
This is Jim Sparks, and you're listening to The Veritas Show.